Donald Trump ran maybe the ultimate outsider's presidential campaign. But to make good on his promises, he likely will have to use a decidedly insider Washington maneuver, a tool Congress created in 1974 to speed up debate and make legislation immune to Senate filibusters. It's called reconciliation, and you'll be hearing a lot about it when Congress and the president-elect start collaborating in earnest in January. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Magazine Deputy Editor Sean Zeller and Senate Leadership Reporter Bridget Bowman. Sean, let's start with the basics. Uh, A reconciliation bill emerges from the annual process of assembling a budget, but since so many things are linked to federal spending, uh, it can be used for many things, cutting taxes, repealing the health care law, trimming safety net programs. That's right. A lot can go into it. As you mentioned, tax reform potentially can go into it. Um, Medicare, Medicaid are also open. um, they They can make policy changes in both of those. The social safety net. Uh, and federal civil service benefits. Those are all things that they can deal with. They cannot raise the debt. That's one key sticking point. But if they make cuts to the social safety net and pair that with tax cuts, it could come out even or even be a deficit cut. So it could potentially work. You wrote in CQ magazine, there's little incentive for Republicans to think small here with a unified government, uh, and they're getting egged on by outside conservative interest groups uh, that are further to the right of many members. That's right. The interest groups in Washington after the Tea Party revolt in 2010 have really embraced that strong fiscal conservative mantra. They reject the Congress of the Bush year, George W. Bush years, which was too free spending in their view. And they really, they've had this pent-up energy all these years to get some of these conservative ideas that Paul Ryan has put forward into law, like potentially um, turning Medicare into a premium support program where people would receive a voucher where they would go on the private market and buy a health insurance plan. Um, Changes to the safety net, making uh, food stamps more difficult to get for able-bodied adults, cuts to federal pensions for civil servants, making civil servants pay more into their pension plans with each paycheck uh, based on the idea that federal benefits are extremely generous compared with those in the private sector. And of course, tax reform. They believe strongly that lower taxes are going to spur economic growth and will help pay for all this. As the economy grows, the tax tax taxes will increase at the same time that they're lowering the rates. So it can help pay for other other changes in policy. So Republicans last year proposed uh, a sweeping repeal using reconciliation of Obamacare. Uh, obviously, President Obama wasn't going to let that happen. But with a Republican in the Oval Office, uh, how far they go this time could hinge on rulings from the Senate parliamentarian, who just happens to work for the majority party. That's right. The parliamentarian... Um, uh, who's been in office now for a few years? Um, she is a, a civil servant. She is a a a, um, a career official, a nonpartisan official. But she works for uh, the majority party. They can fire her if they want to. And as a result, the parliamentarian is typically, you know, willing to go along with what the majority party wants. There there are some exceptions. So last year when the Congress tried to repeal the president's health care law. 
she said that they could not repeal the individual mandate through reconciliation. They could not repeal the requirement that companies pay for health insurance for their employees. But that was very easy for uh, the Republicans to get around. They simply lowered the penalty for not complying with those provisions to zero. So it was a very easy workaround, and they, they were able last year to repeal the health care law, but um, President Obama, of course, vetoed it, so it lives on. <laughs> Bridget, uh, you, you've watched Senate Democrats uh, organize for the next Congress uh, this week. Uh, they're the presumed loyal opposition. Um, given the election results and the drain the swamp anti-establishment tone of the campaign, how united will they be in the face of something like the health law repeal? And, and you've even detected um, some discomfort from some Republicans about using reconciliation. That's right. Uh, to the kind of second part of your question, Senator Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, was asked about budget reconciliation this week. And he he's a member of the budget committee. And he said, you know, I kind of prefer it to go through regular order. It would make a policy more durable was the word that he used so that it wouldn't keep changing every time a new party is in control of the government. And, you know, in a short period of time, we keep going back and forth. So that was it'll be interesting to see how many other Republicans agree with him. Uh, but in terms of Democrats being united, I would expect Democrats to generally be united against an Obamacare repeal just because this was the signature health care law for President Obama. On the other hand, you have 10 Democrats running for re-election in states that Donald Trump won. So they're going to be dealing with balancing the demands of that electorate. Running for in the next cycle in 2018. Yes, right. yeah. so, so beyond the health law, uh, a lot of prospects for a reconciliation bill are contained in House Speaker Paul Ryan's Better Way agenda, uh, cutting corporate individual ta and, cor and individual taxes, uh, as you said, Sean, uh, curbing entitlement spending, rolling back regulations. Uh, I guess the, the thing we don't know is if President-elect Trump is totally okay with all this. Uh, he was pretty vague on policy during his campaign. Can he put the brakes on the conservatives' ambitions? He could, potentially. Uh, the, on the tax reform issue, it seems like he's in agreement with the Republicans. In fact, when he released an updated tax plan closer to the election, it was based on the House Republican plan, Paul Ryan's plan. It seems he's on board there. The question is about the safety net. If, if um, Paul Ryan and the Republicans in Congress want to go after Medicare, want to turn it into a premium support program. This is the so-called privatization of Medicare. It's possible that Trump could, could say no to that. That could be very politically controversial. It could be a problem for him in his re-election bid. And he may not want to go there. During the campaign, he said he would preserve those so safety net programs for the elderly. So it would be a change in policy if he if he were to sign on with that. Now, as far as the the rest of the safety net goes, the the programs for the poor, Medicaid, um, the Obamacare program, which extended Medicaid to lower income people, that's also a risk. I mean, you're going to be taking health insurance, free health insurance, away from millions of people, and if it's not replaced with something comparable, uh, that's also an electoral risk potentially in Trump's mind. 
Uh, Bridget, you watched uh, both the Republican and Democratic caucuses in the Senate uh, organize uh, this week. They came back. It's a little like high school when the classes <laughs> come back and uh, like Find your way around the hallway, that sort of thing. Precisely, <laughs> yeah. with the newcomers in too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest change is New York's Chuck Schumer, who's the new Democratic leader replacing Harry Reid, who's retiring. And Schumer has an expanded leadership team, including one Bernie Sanders. That's right. He added three more members to his leadership team compared to outgoing leader Harry Reid. Uh, Senator Sanders is definitely a notable new member. Uh, He is the chair of outreach, and no one seems to really know what that means. Even Senator Sanders, I asked him this yesterday what he's going to be doing, and he said, we're still figuring it out, but I'm excited. (laughs) Um, And so Senator Schumer also added Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. He's one of the more moderate members of the caucus. He comes, West Virginia is kind of turning red. Trump won it last week. Um, Senator Joe Manchin is also up for re-election in 2018. And Senator Senator Schumer also added Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin to his leadership team. Uh, She is the first openly gay senator. She is also from Wisconsin. She's also up in 2018. And Wisconsin, as we know, also went for Trump this, this time around. So Senator Schumer explained yesterday that he wants to expand his team to include the diverse voices of his caucus and his party. He mentioned right now the Democratic Party is trying to figure out how to move forward from the election. You know, do we try to embrace the diverse Obama coalition? Do we try to speak more to blue collar workers? Do we do both? And so he wants to be more inclusive and have those voices at the table and figuring out you know, how to move forward next Congress. Uh, one thing that's still subject to the filibuster, since so much about this is avoiding the filibuster and using reconciliation. Uh, one thing that's still subject is a potential, well, almost certain Trump Supreme Court nominee. Do you think the new president is going to put pressure on the Republican majority to change the chamber's rules and make that too uh, subject to a simple majority vote so they don't need 60 votes to get someone through? Yeah, that's possible, especially if Democrats remain united against that nominee. That's also not a guarantee. There could be some Democrats who who decide to support his nominees. Uh, but you got to remember, too, that Senator McConnell respects the Senate as an institution and that there are members of the Republican caucus, too, that don't want to change the filibuster rule. Uh, Senator Schumer also reminded Republicans yesterday that Democrats did not lower the filibuster threshold uh, for Supreme Court nominees. So he just kind of said, as a reminder, you know, we did not do that when we were in charge. Well, we saw the huge blow up when uh, Reed, of course, uh, exercised the nuclear option mm-hmm. and, and went to that uh, just a few years ago. Uh, Bridget Bowman, Senate leadership reporter, CQ Magazine deputy editor Sean Zeller, talking about reconciliation, expedited ways to make Donald Trump's agenda a reality in the next Congress. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcast. Have a good week.